0: We were sitting in a circle at my house. It was something we did every month. Uh, it was an opportunity for people that had been visiting the church, new in the church, to come and for us to spend some time getting to know each other. We usually begin the time with an icebreaker where I would ask, what do you do? What do you like? What do you enjoy? And of course, people gravitate to their vocation. And so we would hear things like, I'm an attorney, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, a business owner, CPA, a banker. On this night, a lady looked at all of us and slowly said, I'm ashamed of myself. I don't do anything really important at all, I'm just a secretary. Not then, but later, I walked up to her during the refreshment time and I said, Please do me a favor. I don't want to ever hear you say that again. I don't want to ever hear you say that again. I'm just a secretary, I don't do anything important. And I said this to her, I said, what you do is just as important as what anybody else does. Our jobs do not define us. God defines us. And it's important to realize that God has made us for a reason. Sometimes in a vocation, sometimes out of a vocation. Sometimes as a mom or a dad or a grandmother or a grandfather or a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter. All of us have been created for a purpose. And what we do is just as important as what somebody else does. Our jobs do not define us. God does. Claim it. That's what I want to talk about today, is that it's God's way. We are special. And I want all of us to realize how wonderfully we are made. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And Lord, for what I don't say that you would want me to say, I pray that you would fill in the gaps for what people hear. I pray, O oh God, that uh, you would hide me behind the cross, that uh, I would not be seen, but that you would be seen, and all glory and honor would be given to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you do? Who are you? I was in my second appointment at a seminary. I've been serving as a local pastor for about, uh, since I was 19. Surprisingly enough, I look back on those years, and I was telling Josh the other day, I said, you know, Josh, when, uh, when I was coming out of college, I would not have hired me. <laughs> you were so much better than I ever thought about being. You know, I was so green. I was so young. Um, but I spent a couple of years with a great mentor pastor as an associate, and then I went out to East Texas, and I'd been out there a couple of years. And lady across the street, she had three children, two uh, elementary, older elementary school boys, and they were just holy terrors. And I was out mowing the yard one day, and she saw me and came out of her house, came across the road, and she stopped me, and I could hear her above the lawnmower. (laughs) Preacher, you need to listen to me. And I could tell... One of her boys had just gotten in trouble. You know, I, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, you do not preach enough hell. <laughs> and and I looked at her. I, I thought, I didn't say it, but I thought, I'm mowing the yard. <laughs> and so she thought I didn't hear her. And she said, you don't preach enough hell. And I, I'm sorry if... Anyway, um, I got the lawnmower off, and I said, um, I said, let's talk for a minute, Patsy. And and I could tell she was upset. She said, my boys need to hear about hell. They need to be scared of God. They need to be fearful of God. They need to be so scared of God that they're more scared of God than my whoopings. And at that point, I'm thinking, I'm more scared of you than God. <laughs> you know, I didn't answer her question very well. I, I stuttered. I paused. I was halting. I'd be a whole lot better now. But this is what I said to her in essence, I said, Patsy, I want my children to follow God because they know how much God loves them, not how much they're afraid. I want my kids to follow God because they know that God loved them so much that He died for them. And I said, frankly, there's enough hell here on earth for me to preach anymore. Now, I did say to her, I said, now, don't misunderstand me. I believe in hell. But I believe that the invitation and the draw of heaven is so much more powerful. Um, By the way, she didn't take my answer. She continued on me until I was moved to another church. And I really felt for her because those boys just ran her ragged. And she loved them so much. And the last day that I was there, I said to her, I said, you know, I know you love your boys. And no matter what happens, just know this. That as difficult as they are now, when they grow up, they're going to love their mama. Because of how much you have loved them. And that's the way it is with God. Okay. Let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus. And I, and I got a purpose in this. Because we, uh, we mistaken. Particularly the New Testament. In the discussion of hell. Actually. In the New Testament, the New Testament talks about the punishment of fire only 12 times depending on how you translate some of the words, and more than half of those are in Revelation. The... The affirmation that we are a child of God, valued and loved by God, that God delights in us, that God, has, that God is never going to quit loving us, and there is nothing that shall separate us from the love of God, is in all of the books of the New Testament over 35 times. This is what John says about Jesus. Jesus. Cindy read it for you earlier. And I want, to notice, I want you to notice the last part. This is my son, the beloved with whom I'm well pleased. Now, remember that phrase, okay? Psalm 2-7 is actually a, uh, a prophecy of what's coming with the uh, affirmation of God in Jesus' baptism. When he says in 2-7... You are my son. Today I have begotten you. If you were to take the Hebrew and translate it into Greek, it's almost exactly the same phrase. Isaiah 42, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations." These all refer to the identity of Jesus and the love of God for his son. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, I'm sure at this point you're saying, okay, that's Jesus. So what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? A lot. Again, let's look and see what the Bible says. Chapter 1 of John Verses 12 and 13, he gave us the right to become children of God. In Galatians 4 7, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Galatians 3:25 and 26, "But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith." Second Corinthians, "And I will be your Father, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord. And then Romans 8:14, "For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God." And that's just a sampling. That's just a sampling. As God has said to Jesus in his baptism, so God says to us, this is my child with whom I am well pleased. Now, have you heard God say those words to you? Deep in your soul, singling you out, you Are my child. Some people never hear those words. We're probably, I would say, a good portion, if not all of us, know that to be true. Maybe we don't feel it always, but we know it to be true, and there's a battle that sometimes takes place right in here between the heart and the head. So many folks out there, they see the church as judgmental. They see the church as critical. They see the church as, as as piling on. And they haven't heard the words, "You are a child of God." For them, God condemns, rejects, despises and punishes. And these are the ones that say, "I am just." Norman Vincent Peale tells a story about his wife Ruth. They were in Hong Kong on a on a actually on a preaching mission, and they were doing some sightseeing. And they were walking down one of the streets of Hong Kong, and Ruth, his wife, saw this tattoo shop and a picture of a man's chest with a big tattoo on it that said "Born to Lose," and she stopped. And she says to Doctor Peel, "Let's go in this tattoo place." Well, and <laughs> Doctor Peel says that at first he was startled because he was afraid maybe his wife wanted a tattoo. Um, but what she wanted to know was, who gets this? So she went in and found the owner, and she said, "I noticed your picture of Born to Loose out in your out in your window. Do people really get that?" Tattoo? And he said, Oh my goodness, that's my most popular tattoo. In fact, just this morning, I put that tattoo on an individual. And she said, Why? And he said, That which is tattooed on the mind is easy the tattoo on the body. Millions of people don't have a good opinion of themselves. They expect failure, disappointment, rejection. They're born to lose. They lack the understanding of how special they are. Several years ago, I had the honor and privilege to go on a prison ministry called Kairos. Anybody been on Kairos? Uh, some of you, yeah, a- absolutely incredible. And as a pastor, I had the opportunity to share with some of the inmates. And I, on Saturday Sunday night, as we were closing up, and of course, our, our theme for the weekend is "Listen, Listen, Love, Love." Listen, Listen, Love, Love. Listen, Listen, Love, Love. And this older gentleman, probably in his 50s, walks up to me and he says, I'm a lifer. I will never get out of here. So I don't want anything that I say to you to think that I'm trying to snow you or, or get your sympathy. I'm in here for the rest of my life. But I want to know why in the world you guys keep telling me you love me. And I said... Because God loves you. And I believe that even with your past, that you're lovable. And the guy started weeping, just crying uncontrollably. And I put my arms around him, and he said these words. He said, my entire life, no one has ever told me They loved me. Not my mother, not my daddy, not my grandparents, no one. Now, frankly, I thought, okay, this guy's in prison. He's had a tough life. His his experience is unique, you know, and uh, sad. And we had the opportunity to Kairos to show him something new. And so some of you know my story that I was out of the ministry for a while as a management uh, uh, trainer and an executive coach over the course of uh, the the time that I was out. I probably worked with over 400 executives of different levels uh, in different ways. And I I didn't keep it a secret that I had one time been a pastor. And you know why I came back? the church as a pastor, you know where my call came from? In 90% of the relationships that I developed, the coaching sessions, I heard things like what this man shared with me, disappointment, brokenness, rejection. And they knew I was a pastor, and so they would, they would kind of they would say, you're a pastor, And and they had bad experiences in the church. They'd been in a church where they had felt judged and rejected. So they didn't didn't see that church as an answer. But they wanted answers. And I knew I had to come back and to preach that message. That we are the place that proclaims the good news of God's message that we are children of God, that God delights in us. No matter what our past has been, no matter what we've done, God never gives up on us. Never. Who we are and whose we are. That's what's most important. And no one can take that away uh, from us. No one. That's why Jesus died for us. That's why he gave his life for us. That's why he he bled on the cross and became a sacrifice and a substitution for us because of how much God loves us. And I want every person that walks in this door to hear that message. You are a child of God. We are a child of God. And no one can take that away from us. Robert Shuler tells the story of Helen of Troy. And if you're a literary major, you probably have read the story of Helen of Troy. Helen of of Troy was taken captive by the enemies and and sold into slavery. She was actually sold into prostitution. And because of the, uh, uh, the, um, the experience that she had there and the kind of Of uh, treatment that she got uh, she went into amnesia forgot who she was And, and as the story unfolds Prince of Troy sees her on the street of a foreign country and he goes that woman looks familiar she'd lost her beauty through the years of abuse and then he saw the birthmark on her face that identified her as Helen of Troy. And he went to her and he called her by name, Helen, Helen! And she looked at him confused. And he said, Helen, you were queen of Troy. You were not meant for this. You were meant for royalty. You were not meant to be a prostitute. You were not meant to be a harlot. You were meant to be a queen, to lead people, to set an example And as the story unfolds, she begins to remember. She raises her shoulders. The spark returns to her eyes. (laughs) Royal blood begins to pump through her veins. And with those words, pride is recovered, shame wiped away, honor redeemed. She's saved. you are a child of God, love more than you will ever know. And I know if you've been in the church, you've heard that over and over and over again. But friends, there's a lot of folks out there that haven't heard that at all. And if they have, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. Jesus looks in our eyes and says these words, you are a child of God. And Sometimes those words shake us to our core because we're no what we know we're not what we have should, what we have should, what we know we are not what God has called us to be what we should be but God wants to restore our dignity our integrity our honor and so never forget we are God's treasure God's delight God's sons and daughters. Will you repeat after me? We are, we are. God's, treasure. God's treasure, God's delight, God's, delight. God's, sons and God's sons and daughters. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? We are God's beloved. We are God's beloved. Let's say it again. We are God's treasure. God's delight. God's sons and daughters. And we if we really believe those words, we will never again say the words I am just. As we start this song, I want to invite you to listen for God's voice and to accept what God has for you. I don't know where you are in your faith right now, whether you're just secure in the knowledge of God's love or whether something has shaken you in your life and you've got questions. Wherever you are, as we sing this song, say, Lord, come into my heart. Remind me again. Help me proclaim. I'm a child of God.